Welcome to episode two of the Primed Learning Podcast. The mission of Primed Learning is to provide experiences for students that will better prepare them for the future that awaits them. So episode two, back from Texas. So I wouldn't say I returned back from Texas defeated, but I definitely felt more lost than I ever had before. I was glad to have the specter of a job I didn't like behind me. Um, So at least I had that going for me. I really didn't have any connections, really didn't have a plan, really didn't have um, anything I identified as a passion or even a significant interest. But one day, I was actually helping at a neighborhood garage sale, probably selling some things to make enough money to pay any bills that I had. Someone brought up to me the prospect of getting a job in a restaurant, which at the time I thought was kind of interesting because I'd always, as a child, I'd enjoyed cooking. Even from an early age, I I have a lot of memories um, of just cooking, either by myself or with my mother. and Even to a point where I think when I was in middle school, I I created some cooking videos. This was way before Food Network, so maybe I should have jumped on that one when I I was doing it at the time, but those are safely locked away in the archives, so I don't think those will ever surface. It'd be kind of funny if they did. So, um, it turns out once I decided, yep, that's the next step for me, I became connected to a restaurant owner in a a city about 30 miles um, north of where I was living at the time and told him about my, my... interest in cooking, but I had absolutely no restaurant experience. I'd, I was a server in a banquet center uh, through in college for a, a few months, but I'd never really worked as a server. Definitely didn't work in a kitchen, so I had absolutely no idea uh, beyond the, the romantic glamour that you see sometimes on TV, really what it, what it meant to, to run a restaurant. I think I read, I read a book as well. So, you know, you read a book, you're an expert. So I show up for a an interview on a Thursday and my first shift was on Friday and I was hired as an assistant chef and I learned very quickly that term chef is kind of like doctor you have to earn it not through your experience but through your experience and education your accreditation never went to culinary school so I had absolutely no business having that name anywhere in my title well within about seven days of me starting the actual head chef who had graduated from a culinary school he had left to take another position. So the other assistant chef and I assumed the responsibilities of essentially running the back end, back of the house of a, of a, of a restaurant. It wasn't a huge restaurant. It was, it was, I don't know, probably at any particular time could accommodate up to 75 people. And on weekends at any given time, most of the tables were full. So it was hopping during the week. It was a little slower. But I, what I quickly learned is that I, while well, I enjoyed cooking, in the, the moment it became a job, it somehow took some of the joy out of it for me. Now, I, I still had an opportunity to experiment, to try new things, and you know put some things on the menu. But I also learned about the, the management side, inventory, personnel, food safety, uh, you know, purchasing. There was a lot to it. 
So I went along my way for about a year or so doing that, and, and it was not paying. It was probably paying about one sixth of the income that I that I was making in my my sales job in Texas. So I qu- quickly realized that I needed something else. So I tried to supplement it in a couple different ways. I actually worked at a golf course um, for a, a half a day. The restaurant shift was usually second shift, so three o'clock to about eleven o'clock, or two o'clock to eleven o'clock, depending on what needed to be done that day. So I had the mornings wide open to work, so I thought, boy, I'll work at a golf course. That'd be fun. Well, essentially, I just about ruined a golf cart as I flipped it down a hill trying to keep pace with the the lawnmower in front of me. My job was to go rake the sand traps. Apparently, that's entry level. And I quickly realized that was not going to cut it for me, so I ended up leaving, like I said, after a half a day's work. And I don't think I ever did get paid for that, but that's okay. Luckily, there was an acquaintance I had that he was he was a waiter at the restaurant. He actually had his own um, residential electrical business. And he took me on part-time. Uh, I started working for him in the mornings and early afternoons on days that I didn't have to be at the restaurant quite so early. And really learned how to... Um, install electrical systems in houses, wiring, switches, lights, fans. That was about the extent of it. So that really helped in so many ways, and I'm extremely grateful to him for helping me. Well, after about a year working at the restaurant, I was feeling even more lost and discouraged. It hadn't had the effect that I, I wanted, which was I loved it so much that I pursued either culinary school or potentially opening my own restaurant. I always think I've had an entrepreneurial bug in me, um, but I but I, I really didn't know what to do with it. So I was always having ideas, but I always talked myself out of it or found reasons why it wouldn't work. But anyway, so I ended up leaving that job at the restaurant, and about two weeks after I left, they actually closed their doors. So call it a premonition. I just think it was luck. Honestly, I had no idea that they were, I could see business kind of dwindling, but I didn't think they were going to close. So at least I was ahead of it a little bit. I worked, uh, more regular hours for my, my friend that had the electrical business. And I learned quite a bit about residential electric and, you know, I was working 35, 40 hours a week, minimum wage, so I wasn't really making a lot of money, a little more than minimum wage, but I was still amassing debt. I was still trying to live a lifestyle of someone that's making, you know, that's 24 years old, making, you know, $55,000, $60,000 a year, which is, that's what I was making when I had a sales job. And when you significantly reduce that, you learn very quickly that you're not good at managing money. So to compound things in my midst of still floundering, uh, a good friend of mine, I was a roommate with in college, he had an opportunity for an internship out in Las Vegas, Nevada, working for MGM Resorts. He was a hospitality uh, major. He was actually uh, finishing up his master's degree. He said, hey, Kevin, I'm going out to Vegas for about three or four months. If you don't have anything really going on, why don't you come out with me? And I really didn't have anything going on, so I decided to go out with him. So I packed up the car, drove out west, no job. We had a place to live, um, rented furniture, and he, of course he went to work right away, and my job became trying to find a job. 
along with all the other things that Las Vegas is relatively known for. Um, so it was it was a it was an adjustment. I'd been out there a number of times on vacation, so to actually live out there and try to be a responsible adult was a was a bit of a challenge. Um, answered, you know, lots of classified ads, and there was one classified ad that looked intriguing to me only because of two things. Number one, it aligned with some experiences I'd had in the past, and number two, they were based out of Burbank, California. They had an office in Las Vegas, so it was basically a um, wire and cable distributor, so they do electric and electronics, and that was some background that I had had. So I found myself in the trap of pursuing things that I had experience with, but didn't like. I didn't have an interest in. So I had a phone interview. They flew me out to Burbank, California the next day. Great interview. Great company. Great people. Told me what I would be doing. And I started work in the Las Vegas office the next day. And it could not have been further from what was explained to me the job would be. Essentially, I was given a list of about 1,500 contacts to cold call. And uh, the, the feeling of dread and, and panic that overtook me was, is indescribable. I, I feel sorry for the other people that worked there when they saw my reaction. I, I took lunch to think about it. Came back, finished the day, made a few phone calls, and like prayed that no one picked up. That's how much I hated cold calling because that had been such a big part of the disastrous experience experience I had in Texas. Was trying to generate new business, um, so I had to be honest with the with the uh, branch manager, and I didn't I didn't work past that first day. Spent a few more weeks trying to find a job, and I actually did find a job in uh, Caesar's Palace in the forum shops, which is the mall. And I was really one of the most enjoyable jobs I ever had. I was working as a um, sales associate in a high-end memorabilia and autographed um, an autograph store. So everything from signed guitars by Jimi Hendrix to um, Muhammad Ali's boxing gloves signed and you know, movie props that are signed by actors. And it was fun. I met so many interesting people, obviously, because you have a whole new batch of tourists come in every day. And the people were fun, but it really wasn't paying the bills. I I worked that job for about three months. Then at the end of the summer, uh, about August, I said, it's time. It's time to go back. Um, And I did. I packed up the car and I moved back to Ohio. No jobs, no prospects, no idea what I wanted to do. But that point something kind of hit me is as, as defeating as it was to be quote-unquote failing at these endeavors they were other people's endeavors and I, and I and I was realizing that figuring out what I don't like is almost as valuable as figuring out what I do like so I wanted to do a better job of of honoring things that I don't have a passion for by not pursuing them one of the things that I also had developed an interest for through some of the experiences I'd had in the past is high-end audiovisual uh, components and systems, so home theaters, home, home stereo uh, systems, things like that. I forget how I connected with them, but there was a company out of Indianapolis, which is just for a point of reference, about an hour and a half drive with no traffic from where I lived. It was a, it was a 
company on the north side of, of Indianapolis that did just that. They installed high-end audio and uh, audio systems and home theaters. So I drove over there, had an interview, talked about my cabling and installation experience I'd had, and through college and through through my first first real job, and I got hired and I was put on a crew where I was out installing systems, um, and I did that for about three months, making the commute every day. I was in a leased vehicle, so I'd actually buy a second unreliable vehicle just so I wouldn't rack up the miles. And that's kind of a recurring theme in about this 10-year span as I'm continuing to make poor financial decisions, but I'm able to justify them because the situation was so dire. So I did that for about three months, and and within that three-month period, I, I met a girl, and that girl actually ended up becoming my wife. We quickly realized once we started spending more time together that having to drive to Indianapolis, so a three to three and a half hour commute combined there and back, wasn't very conducive to fostering a relationship. Well, thankfully, I found a company that was in Dayton, Ohio, which was about 30 minute drive that was in a very similar line of work. And in that, I would actually have an opportunity for more income because not only would I be installing systems, I would also be selling them as well. So things started to go on the uptick. My income started to increase. My expenses started to get more in line. But I was still racking up debt. Still racking up debt. So I worked at that company for about, oh, I'd say a year and a half. And... It it just started hitting me that I have to find something that significantly increases my income. We talked to, I listened to the Dave Ramsey uh, radio show a lot. And what he talks about is that, you know, people that are in huge amounts of debt, if they have a big enough shovel, they can get out of it sooner. And that shovel, you know, refers to your income. So I ended up um, actually working with a headhunter who got me placed with a one of the leading um, rental car companies. I got into their management training program, and you know I started the ground up. You wash cars, you rent cars, you sell the insurance, you deal with upset customers, you deal with insurance companies, you deal, you do everything. Went through their training program, got through it in about eight or nine months. Was promoted to assistant branch manager not assistant to the branch manager, but assistant branch manager. I worked at the Dayton Airport. I had a few other uh, branches that I worked at, but just was felt so empty. There was absolutely no sense of gratification or satisfaction from the job. It was just a job, and it was long hours. I was working 65 hours a week most weeks. Sure, my income was going up, but if you look at your per hour wage, I was probably making more at the restaurant all those years earlier. And after being there for about a year, year and a half, I finally, I just had had it. I had it. And I went to the regional manager one morning, didn't didn't confer with my then very serious girlfriend didn't confer with my family. I just made a decision on my own. I couldn't take it anymore. The the health 
problems I was developing, the anxiety, the dep- the depression, like clinical depression that I had developed all over hating my job and not, and some days sitting in my car for 15, 20 minutes to convince myself to go in. One day I just lost the battle. I couldn't go in. So I was very honest with my regional manager and there I was, no job, barely had a home and no idea what I wanted to do. If it wasn't for my then-girlfriend, now-wife, I would have had absolutely nothing at that point. And I shudder to think what would have happened next. But what did happen next is the first time, for the first time, and at that point, about a 26-year lifespan, again, both of my teachers were parents. They taught their entire working life. Not one time did they ever encourage, push, direct, or force me into considering a career in education. But a conversation happened at my parents' dinner table one day that changed my life. A suggestion was made to student teach. I'm sorry, substitute teach. The student teaching comes later. I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. What have I got to lose? So I went to two days of intensive training, everything you need to know about being a sub from our local uh, educational service center. And I received my first uh, substitute teaching opportunity. It was at a rural school in our county. It was for kindergarten. And that one day completely changed the trajectory of my life. More on that in episode three.